So we've been walking through this, uh, this series I'm calling Inner Peace. And it, it, it's an important series to me because there's nothing more important in my in my like, like I, I really want that might be too. There are more important things, but inner peace is is very important to me. It's it's what it, when it all boils like I just want to have inner peace, and I believe that the hallmark of the presence of God is inner peace. Like like it's available for you that that inner stillness, calmness. The rock-solid foundation, that's available for you. I believe it, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been. So we're talking through some different do's and don'ts for inner peace and uh, biblical examples of inner peace and strategies for inner peace. And this morning, I titled, the, I titled this talk, Good Grief, because I think that grieving plays a huge role in inner peace. If you will grieve properly and biblically, it's a pathway to inner peace. If you don't get it right, it's an obstacle for inner peace. So I want to talk through some of those things today. Uh, is it grieving properly? But let me say up front, and it, it sounds ridiculous saying it, I have no credentials to talk about grief whatsoever in the sense that I have like zero counseling credentials. I think I have like three college credit hours for counseling. So, uh, you know, I, I in, in that regard... Uh, no kind of professional level uh, credentials or credibility. But what I do have is, is tragedy in my own life and being a pastor. Many people invite me in to some pretty low places in life. So I see some of this stuff as it plays out. And then, of course, I have what I consider to be the authority of Scripture to talk you through this stuff as well. So um, we're going to talk through properly grieving and, and let, me, let me start off by just a couple obstacles that I see uh, um, regularly in the lives of people when going through difficult things. So I guess before I even get to that, I hope you'll expand your horizon, your thinking of what I even mean when I talk about grief, because I'm not just talking about tragedy. I think we need to expand it to job loss, to... Um, uh, a transition in life stage and the limitations that come from that. Uh, divorce, a betrayal, a loss of a relationship, an unwanted move like from one place to another, like houses and stuff like that. Um, uh, things that your grown children maybe are doing or have done. So, so, so expand your definition of things that we need to properly grieve our way through. That's one thing. And then, and then there's this thing where like some of you have been raised in family systems where uh, you aren't, you weren't allowed to grieve or you were like crying was strongly discouraged. Like don't cry about it. You can't cry about it. You got to push forward. Crying doesn't do any good. Like I know like for instance, let me just uh, like, like a, a lot of like German roots. I'll notice people with like German roots are, are very like you just, you just have some schnitzel and plow through it. <laughs> just different, you know, different cultural backgrounds. It's like where, 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 man, you just don't express emotion like that. Now, there are other family backgrounds that, that are very much very expressive uh, culturally. But so, so just think about whether or not you had permission to express emotion when you were growing up. And then the, uh, the, the second thing 
um, some people, we talked about this a few weeks ago, some people have a strong tendency to, um, um, in, instead of working toward inner peace, they're of the mindset that you just like fake it. Like you just be calm. You just pretend to be okay or at peace with something. And, and there's a big difference between working through pain to get to peace and just faking it. Because i got to tell you, and, and you've probably seen this, um, I've known people who have deep joy, strong inner peace, and you find out that they've actually gone through immense loss. And my guess is that they got to a place of peace after fully expressing the immense loss, not just by putting on a smile and plowing through the day. So, so think through your family background and then your own tendency to maybe fake peace, just act calm, versus working through things to get to a place of genuine inner peace. So think about that a little bit. Um, and, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to talk through this, um, this book of, of Lamentations. And um, uh, this was, this was a, a manual that God gave the Israelites that the Jews still use to this day. Like they'll have gatherings where they read from Lamentations and, uh, and they'll, uh, they'll, they'll heap all of, their, all of their circumstances from the past year into that reading of Lamentations as a kind of manual for how they should handle their grief. So this is a very important, it's an ancient, ancient manuscript, but it still speaks to proper grieving today. And let me just say up front that when we read Lamentations, and I hope you'll, we're going to pick around at it a little bit today, I hope you'll take some time, it's a short book, to read through it this week. Um, the, the presenting problem, which is much of the Old Testament narrative, is the loss of land, which is strange for us because we don't have the kind of connection land, at least with land, at least most of us as they did back then. But this is from around 600 BC when the Israelites were, were forced into exile. They lost their land and went to Babylon and they had a deep connection, which I really like for me. I can't relate. Like, like, I love Northeastern Ohio. I was born and raised in Northeastern Ohio. I'm a Northeast Ohio guy. But if I were exiled to, like, you know, Hilton Head, I'd get over it. <clears throat> Whereas getting to spend some time, I got to spend a couple weeks a few years ago with, with, like, real Palestinians in Palestinian territory on the other side of their wall. And, and you just see the pain. Like, like, it was, and you'll pick up on this, you, you got to think loss of a child, loss of a spouse. This, when they lost their land... I'm talking about the Israelites in 600 B.C. When they were exiled, it was their identity, it was their promise, it was their standing with God in their eyes. It was a tremendous loss for them. So don't just think they went from one place to another. This was like they lost their identity, like they lost a spouse level of, of, of pain. So that's what when we see Lamentations, which that's another thing I need to tell you, in my rehearsals, I keep saying Leviticus instead of Lamentations. This is exclusive Lamentations. Sometimes my tongue doesn't agree with my brain, but it's Lamentations that we're talking about. I'm not, yeah. So, uh, so there's that. 
Um, now, let's, let's start looking at a proper expression of grief now as it relates to inner peace. And I'm going to pick around a little bit in the first chapter of Lamentations, and, and we'll go from there. Okay. How lonely sits the city that was full of people? How like a widow has she become? So that we're talking about an empty Jerusalem, a desolate Jerusalem because everybody was exiled to Babylon. She who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. Her foes have become the head. Her enemies prosper because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. All her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me. One to revive my spirit. My children are desolate. For the enemy has prevailed. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My heart is wrung within me. Now you'll notice different voices in uh, Lamentations, there's, there's the narrator who just kind of says what is. Then there's the woman who represents Israel and the land and the pain and God's vision for the Israelites. And then there's also a, a man who speaks occasionally as well. So you see those different voices. Uh, but, but Lamentations was treated as a manual for grief. And, and in what we see in those verses that we read as well as uh, many other places throughout Lamentations, is that there is, uh, I want you to notice, uh, it, man, you could say it's like, it's like um, uh, laborious. There's, a, there's an energy given to properly name both what caused the pain and the extent at which uh, the pain is felt. Naming both what happened and how it affects them. There, what I'm saying is there's no minimizing of the pain. That's not biblical. That's not spiritual. There's no like blow it off kind of a thing. They work hard in, in, in lamentations to, to label. They mine they mine for ways to express the pain. I'm lonely. Her enemies prosper. She's become a widow. She's become a slave. She's been forced to trade her valued possessions for just bare necessities. Not only that, her tears flow, her stomach's in knots, her heart is wrecked. Do you see that? Do you notice that? Like it goes deep for really unearthing what's felt down below. Now, this is interesting because in, 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 in American funerals, and I've done a lot of funerals, um, the, the setting of the funeral itself is very institutional. Like, you still sit in rows, like classroom style. Isn't that strange that we sit in, like, classroom institutional rows in, in a funeral? <clears throat> and, and so many people will say, um, uh, like, like, I told myself I wouldn't, cry. And then I'll do these things where, like, when I do funerals, I really like to have time where the family and close friends 
get to share some memories up on, like, you know, to talk through your best memories. Talk about a few times where you, you like, things that you did with, the, with this person that you'll never forget. And so here you'll have, like, the mom or the dad or a grown child or best friend. And they'll be sharing their memories, their most sentimental memories of this person that in this life, at least, they're never going to see again. And they'll crack. They'll break down and they'll say what? I'm sorry. They'll apologize for crying at a funeral of a person that they loved, that they lost. Isn't that crazy? That that's our approach to grieving? Meanwhile, across the world, it's not uncommon for like widows to jump down in the pit on the casket wailing in the pit graveside. You'll see images on the news of, of, of caskets being paraded through streets with people beaten on the casket, throwing themselves on the casket, like deep expression of pain and loss and anger. So that's the first thing that I just I want you to see. That when you talk about a spiritual, biblical, Expression of grief, there's no minimizing. Minimizing pain is not spiritual. All right, let me talk about an environment now. If you're going to create an environment to truly express grief the way it needs to be expressed, I think the first environment you need to think through is what I would call like the, the free space the free space, the silence, the right environment for your emotions to express themselves, to truly mine for what you feel. So that means silence. To this day, Jews practice silence in loss. It comes from the book of Job, where you just have, you have seasons of just silence. And let your inward energies process And this is where I think like music and the Psalms can play a huge role. Like when I I lost 12 years ago, um, my wife and I lost our our little baby Lexi and um, just just such pain. And, And I remember in the winter, I would spend hours playing solitaire on the computer, listening to music. That was it. That's all I wanted to do be night and it would just be dark and I would just sit there and play solitaire mindlessly and listen to music and and that music was whatever would help give voice and that's one of the things that one of the amazing things about music is how it gives voice to feelings that maybe we're not especially if you're not articulate to find those songs that that give voice to the hurt to what you're going through and then you look at the Psalms. Let's take a look at it, like Psalm 22. The Psalms were very helpful for me. You find a Psalm that expresses it, and it helps you. <clears throat> it helps your soul bring out the pain. Now, now look at Psalm 22 and notice this is it's not about literal, factual information. It's not about right thinking. So here we go. Here's a, here's here's um Psalm 22, roaring lions that tear their prey open, their mouths wide against me. Is that true? No. 
I'm poured out like water. Is that true? No. Is that literal? No. All my bones are out of joint. Is that literal? That's why you really can't take the Psalms literally. They're an expression of pain and joy and feeling on the deepest levels. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melded within me. Not true. A figurative way of expressing pain. My mouth is dried up like old pottery. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of the earth. <clears throat> not literal. Because literal is not helpful. That's language to... That, those are metaphors, symbols meant to bring out and wallow in just how bad it hurts. That's a biblical expression of pain, which leads me into the second environment. In addition to just the space to do some of that mining, you also need to give yourself an environment that's free from right thinking and slogans. And that may sound weird, but what I mean is you probably don't need analysis. You probably don't need, well, it's just that, and now you have that, or, or whatever. I mean, there, there's a point when the slogans just aren't helpful. They, I think that they can be eventually, but like right away, when, when, I, when I lost my daughter, I didn't need a bunch of right thinking. I didn't need somebody telling me, well, God has a plan. God's in control. God, well, he must, he must have just wanted your daughter with him more than he wanted her with you. Well, I'm the, he could have created another one and had her, and I could have had mine. I mean, you know, the, the right thinking, and, and people are well-meaning, and I'm not trying to make fun of people who tried. It just it, it wasn't helpful. Right thinking wasn't helpful. Literal analysis wasn't helpful. I needed to mine apart from the slogans. And sometimes we just need to put the tool belt down. And give ourselves permission to think creatively about how bad it hurts. Space for silence, space to truly feel what you feel. And you shouldn't feel like it's somehow biblical or spiritual to minimize the depths of the pain you feel. And the third environment, just real quick, is like permission to just rage. I think somehow we, we feel like it's not spiritual to, to rage. But when you look at Scripture, you see, especially in the Psalms and Jeremiah, Job, you see like this inner just rage. And sometimes I think the most biblical thing you can do is to, is to take a season and just be mad at what you find yourself in. All right, let's look at Another, and this, this blows me out of the water. This is, this is thousands of years ago this was written. But it, man, man, if it's not true for what we need to find true inner peace. So here we go. This is from Lamentations 1 also. Look, Lord, on my affliction. For the enemy has triumphed. The enemy laid hands on all her treasures. She saw pagan nations enter her sanctuary. Those you had forbidden to enter your assembly. 
All her people groan as they search for bread. They barter their treasures for food to keep themselves alive. Look, Lord, and consider, for I am despised. Is it nothing to you, all who you pass by? Look around and see. Is any suffering like my suffering that was inflicted on me? This is tremendous insight on what we need and if we're trying to help other people get through their tragedies, what's the first thing she needs? She just wants someone to see. Look, is there any suffering like my suffering? Look and see. Just just look. She doesn't need answers. She doesn't need slogans. She's not calling out, please somebody give me some proper theology of suffering and tragedy. She just wants someone to see her in her pain. That's a great roadmap. You know, I remember when my wife and I were working through our darkest moment in life, there was one person there who said one helpful thing. He said, well... We could think this through a million ways and never make any sense of it. And my soul was like, yes. Like, that's all I needed to hear. That was the only thing helpful. It wasn't anybody trying to, it was just someone who said, I see you. I see you. And I see that it seems insurmountable. And I see that it's not fair. And I see that it's painful and it's tragic. I see that your life was just changed. I see you. And again, man, rather than the temptation to put the tool belt on or find the magic bullet to make it all better, we need to help people by saying, I see you. And then some of you that have been raised to just tough it out, your inner being may may be crying out for you to simply look and see the hardship. And acknowledge the pain with real language. Look, is any suffering like my suffering? All right, let me talk through one more part of grieving properly that that I see in Leviticus. And I so appreciate this, and I think you will too. This is from Leviticus 4. Oh, there I did it. It's from Lamentations 4. The Lord himself has scattered them. He no longer watches over them. So from what we know of Scripture, Lamentations says he no longer watches over them. Is that true? Is it ever true that God abandoned and no longer watches over his... No, no. But that's what this author was feeling. The author blames God. The grieving, the person in pain, blames God. God, this is your fault. This is your fault. 
And throughout Lamentations, we see the woman, the narrator, blaming God. Look at chapter 5. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. So, we see the author saying, you've forgotten about us. You're not watching. You're not looking out for us. Maybe you've rejected us forever. God, this is all your fault. That's a part of Lamentations. Now, look at Lamentations 3. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Do you see the multiple personality spiritual disorder here? One minute, the author is saying God has rejected us and he may be gone for good. He's not watching out for us anymore. He's turned his head away from us. This is your fault, God. Then the next like paragraph, he's saying, great is your faithfulness. Your compassion never fails. Your mercies, are, your mercies are new every day. You're so trustworthy. I'll just wait patiently on you. Like, does that not capture what it is to be human? Oh, my gosh. God, this is your fault. God, you'll never fail me. I'm going to trust God always. God, I'm done with God. I'm doing my own thing. Like, you see the merry-go-round there of of. of feelings and it's okay like could could you like that's biblical someone says i'm done with god yeah that's biblical what but that there it is let yourself when you are grieving and again job loss life stage divorce all kinds of frustrations that involve grieving beyond just tragedy and, and, and loss. Um, man, let yourself feel what you're feeling. Go for it. Mine it. Label it. Express it. Be angry. Be done with God. Be back with God in the same sentence, in the same day. It's all a part of it. Observe the process of grief. The cycles of grief, the cycling back, the being where you were three months ago, one year ago. You're back. You're right there, but you did all that. Now you're back. That's all a part of healthy progress. As you get to places of inner peace, only to go back to places of rejection and denial and pain Again and again and again and again and again, you work through those things. And I believe that you will get to a place of inner peace, no matter the circumstances. Like, you'll get there. I, I believe that you'll get there. But you're going to have to walk through some valleys and be present and expressive and aware in those valleys. And understand that repressing those things is not spiritual. It is not godly to minimize pain 
It is godly to express it. We were made to express it and to feel because first and foremost, this is a relationship. This is what I love about Scripture. It's not propaganda. This is a relationship with highs and lows. It's a real relationship. And the more you mine for those highs and lows, the more you are a part of that relationship. And you will get to the point where in all circumstances you find contentment and you find inner peace and you experience the presence of God. And no matter what, all is well with your soul.